The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome in, wherever you are, citywide, statewide, nationwide. You are listening and looking in on Lines Again. And you're, uh, of course, on the Buffalo Rumblies Networks. I am the big O, Jerry Ostrowski. She is Sarah Larson down in sunny South Beach. I'm out (laughs) in old, dreary Tulsa, Oklahoma with the uh, wind and the rain that goes sweeping through the plain, as they say. Um, uh, We're getting ready to hit tornado season, so... Yeah, I don't know how you do it. Might be jumping in. I might be taking the computer down to the uh, down to the storm shelter in the middle oh, of the show here. Coming, up. I do not know how you do it. I heard about everything that happened. I think it was in Mississippi right. um, earlier in the week. I just don't. I I don't know how you guys do it. And everyone's like, you live in South Florida. There's there's you know hurricanes. Yes, right. but we have a we have a, you know time to prepare and whatnot. So right. I don't know how you do it, but. Well, happy. Uh, you, you just get used to it. I mean, it's something. You, honestly, it's really weird, but you do get used to it. Yeah, I mean, the same in in Florida. I get it. You, we get used to it. But uh, are you a, are you a baseball fan at all? Are you, you know, opening day, big deal for you? Um, not a huge deal for me, but I am a baseball fan. I'm 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 a Phillies fan. That's where I grew up, obviously. So I I like my Phillies. A uh, good year for them last year, although. We're going to have to wait a while before Bryce Harper comes back from Tommy John surgery. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'm not sure. I didn't check the score. They started the season really weird. Like, baseball's not the same it used to be. Like, when I was a kid, you got to start and you're with your divisional team, like the Mets or somebody like right. that or the Braves. Uh, we started in Arlington, Texas, against the Texas Rangers today. Uh, we play a series with them, and then we fly to New York to play the Yankees. So um, those are the first two games, first two teams we play in the new season. But, but no, I actually, I, I have to admit, other than football, my favorite sport is actually college softball. I watch a ton really? of college softball. Yes, oh, that's cool. Love it. Oh, nice, Love it. Nice. Yeah. No, I, uh, I, I've been a sports fan obviously since I was like four, five. Um, I started watching WWE when I was four years old or right. back then it was WWF. Um, right. 
baseball, basketball, obviously football has been my biggest passion, but I've just been a sports fan for so long. So I geeked out today, you know, uh, I got to watch my Yankees win five to zero. So I was happy with that. Um, Garrett Cole looked amazing, came out 11 strikeouts. It's nice. We needed it because, you know, we didn't finish the last season too well. So I was excited uh, to, you know, hopefully they, they do something this year because we need it. I'm I'm disappointed you didn't bring up the fact that Aaron Judge hit a home run his first at bat of the season oh, as <laughs> the new captain of the New York Yankees. I mean, come on. And it's been it was all over, you know, social media, you know, he, you know, he's already on track for 62. Yeah. Um yeah, so, you know, but he actually joked um you know about it after the game and everything and so I'm, you know, I'm looking forward to the season. He's, you know, I love, I love him. He's, he's like my, uh, he's my, uh, he's my Josh Allen, but for, you know, okay. for the Yankees. So, um, you know, before it was Jeter and now, now it's him, you know, I'm a heat fan. I had my, I had Dwayne Wade. So when everybody was freaking out with, you know, Chris Bosch and LeBron James, I, my heart was still with, with D Wade. So I have my one person usually on each team. Yeah, it's funny. I was always, I've always been uh, Philadelphia teams through and through. Uh, no love for anybody else. Um, like I said, it's kind of one of those things, and it's different. In Buffalo, you got the Bills and Sabers, but then after that, who are your baseball team? Right? You know, do you right. do you like the team that the that the Buffalo Bison are? It is Bison, am I correct? What? No, what's yeah. the? Is it Bison? Yeah, the AAA that's, team um, in Buffalo. That's a AAA team. Yeah. <clears throat> right. So I'm saying, I mean, like for instance. My sons became Rockies fans because we had season tickets to the Tulsa Drillers uh, back when they were young, and the team that they were affiliated with was the Rockies. So we got to see like seven or eight uh, day one uh, major league starters, you know, clo close up and personal. Tulowitzki being our favorite, obviously, because of his last name. But, you know, it was um, – I, I don't know. You do that. I guess basketball, you don't have a, really have a basketball team in Buffalo. So you, you make do, right? Yeah, I think most people, you know, they, they, they either do like the Cleveland or the Toronto or maybe right. the Knicks. Um, right. I, I grew up, I'll be honest, I grew up a Knicks fan. Uh, and then I, I moved to South Florida and you could never watch the Knicks. It was just never, they were never on television down here. Um, and then someone invited me to a Heat game, 2003. Right. I, you know, became a Heat fan um, after going to see Dwayne Wade. And uh, see, Sarah, it's funny you say that because when I was a kid, usually if you didn't have a hometown team, okay, so if you're in a place that really didn't have that team that was your home team, mm. you were either a Cubs fan or a Braves fan. And everybody's like, well, why would you, why would you like to, well, because you could come home from school and you can put on WGR or WGN, I think it was WGN out of, out of, out of Chicago. And all the Cubs games were played, what, in the daytime, right? So as a kid, you come over to school, watch the Cubs. Or because of TBS and um, Turner Broadcast Station, you got all the Braves games. So those were the two teams that you saw all the time. Everybody else was just real regional. I'm getting called a traitor in the comments. <laughs> I've, uh, I'm, I'm very loyal, I will admit. Um, it took me three years of living, living in South Florida not watching basketball. Explain, you don't have to explain yourself to him. It's all right. It's okay. It's all right. No, but um, but yeah, I mean, it, at least at least I got to see a couple of championships because right. I became a Heat fan. So uh, no, but um, you know, we we're up and down again this year. Uh, the Heat right now. Uh, so I need it where I you know can get it. And the Sabers were doing 
decent, and then they lost like seven. I don't even know it anymore. I, I got so frustrated with them the last couple of weeks that I'm just I'm over it. They're they're coming down to South Florida next week, and I'm like, what's the point of even going? It's one of the last games of the season, and not neither you know team playing is you know potential for the playoffs. So. It is what it is. But so, you know, not much to talk about this week that kind of just chit chatting. But um, we do have, you know, some news coming out of the the league, uh, the league meetings this week. Um, first and foremost, what I wanted to, to kind of point out, um, one of the biggest changes was Kim Pula not being at uh, you know, at the um the owners' meetings. Uh instead Laura Pagula, their their daughter, did represent them whenever Terry wasn't um, you know, part right. of the meetings. Um, so, you know, we've gotten a little bit of news on, on Kim that, you know, obviously, um, her, you know, her daughter, um, put out the, the little letter to the fans and stuff, um, you know, probably about a little over a month ago now. Um, you know, but it, it, it's sad to, to see that, you know, the, the reality is, uh, you know, Kim's not going to, you know, be able to be in the, the limelight and she's not going to be making those decisions anymore. So, uh. You know, we got we still have a female representative with with Laura, so it'll be interesting to see, uh, you know, what initiatives she decides to take and if she decides to to kind of get involved the same way that Kim was. Kim Kim was amazing. Um, I think as as an alum, and you can ask some of the other guys, John Fina and others, before the Pagulas bought the Bills, there really was no veteran, or I should say past um you know alum type presence they had one game a year where you could come up or whatever but the pagulas when they when they purchased a team really opened up the front door and allowed guys to come back they had a a section in the indoor suite for people during games you went down on the field you know before games all those different things and since and then you also and before i forget you look at the new training facility there and all the things that she had put in the specialty stuff for rehab and and mental fitness as well as physical fitness um was she was tremendous and without her in that building there's been a step back um things you know if you talk to some of the guys that have been around things aren't quite like they used to be um you know just because she's not there i mean she was such a warming presence uh she always like i said she always had the front door open and so i i i wonder if this transition to a new stadium could have been a lot smoother and a lot better if she was sure still did. able to be involved in all this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so how do you feel? Another thing that came out of the league um, is now you can wear the number zero. Huh. Do you, do you have any feelings about it? <clears throat> I feel like it's weird. I, I mean like, and then the people I would want to be wearing a zero and I joked about, it, I think on, on Twitter, you know, are like, the, the, you know, the D tackles or, you know, right. a center or something, you know, and it should be like double zero. It shouldn't just be zero. Fat um, guys, fat guys in single numbers is stupid. Fat guys don't look good in single numbers. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's why I'm uh, saying double zeros, but my, not, my not even double zero. I mean, it's okay. too many, it's too much roundness, <laughs> Sarah. I mean, all that round and then you got two more round. Yeah. I mean, everything's just round heads round. I just don't and, see why you know. someone would want to call themselves a Z, like would want to be a zero. Like, I don't, just, I don't guy, know. I'm not the a only fan guy of that I know, the only guy that I know that I tried to get to wear double zero would be my son, because those were his initials when he was young. But he he had other plans, so he didn't want to. Oh yeah. Oh, he didn't okay. want to. Yeah, he didn't want to. 
he didn't want to wear that. But no, seriously, they the whole thing of catering to D linemen is to give him a single. It, it, you fat guys shouldn't let other fat guys wear single numbers. That's my <laughs> Well, luckily for you, then it's not it's not open for um, the linemen. So <laughs> right, um, right. I just feel like if it was going to be open to someone. The lineman is like who I think. Well, looks who should wear zero, right. Sarah? For us, Ed Oliver. I mean, it's his last name, right? You should be a zero. I mean, yeah. I I think it'll end up if someone decides to do it. I think it'll end up being you know uh you know probably a special teams guy right. or someone we bring in, um you know that might not have the the number available that you know that that could um want to jump in on that. So uh. During the team meetings, uh, we had a couple of conversations with uh, with Bean and and everything else. And obviously, um, the one that the the conversation that went kind of viral was him kind of putting the brakes on the whole DeAndre Hopkins um, rumor mill, you know, um, you know, rumors and stuff like that. He didn't say that it was completely dead. He didn't, you know, he actually said that the you know him and OBJ might still be a potential. Um, but he also did make a comment about how everything we're doing right now is under that $2 million threshold. Um, and that's whether people want to believe it or not, but that I have, a, a, my feeling is that's to protect our comp pick. Um, we have until May, I think second, um, where, you know, we can't, we can't, you know, offset that. Um, if we do offset it, then we lose a third round pick. There's no point of losing that third round pick. That's huge next year. Um, so I don't I don't foresee us making that big splash of a of a play. Now, again, um Hopkins would be a trade candidate, not a not right. a free agent. So um if that was to happen, yeah, you know, DeAndre Hopkins wouldn't offset the um the formula. OBJ though, um, is one that, you know, people keep on talking about. If that ever was to to happen, granted now he's saying fifteen million is is his asking price. Um, I don't think he's gonna get that from anyone. Um, but even if he was, it's not going to be from us prior to, you know, May 3rd or May 2nd. So, um, for everyone who wants this big, huge signing to happen before the draft, um, unless we can get them, uh, at $1.77 million, uh, it's not going to happen. Um, and that's pretty much, um, what, what the sweet spot's been with most of our, with most of our free agent and free agent um, picks over the uh, or signings over the last uh, couple of weeks has been under $2 million. Um, and it's worked brilliantly. I, I can't believe um, for the, for those that, that don't know, but I'm sure you do. We, we signed Taylor Rapp on Monday. Um, the numbers have not been released, but Bean did say it was under 2 million. Um, so we're kind of looking at that 1.77 million again. Um, so, you know, I, I can't believe, I mean, that guy had like an $8.5 million, uh, you know, market value. Um, so it goes to show that we can sign some people that just want to play for a contender. So um, it's, a, you know, it, it's exciting. I think that we'll end up signing him long-term. It's only a one-year um, a one year deal, but if he does well, he'll get paid. And, and you know, the Bills only have, um, you know, Poyer for you know one more year after this. I I have a feeling if Hyde doesn't play, he won't play. If we win a Super Bowl, I have a feeling he won't play. Um, so you know we definitely still need. An, I think we still need another safety. I think we'll get one in the draft as well. But I think that we'll sign him long term. Um, and I think he could be uh, 
very effective. Um, he's still young. I think he's 26 years old. So uh, do you feel like we've dried up on the whole DeAndre Hopkins and OBJ market? Or do you just think it's not, it, it's like a draft day type of thing or, you know, soon thereafter? Right. Well, a couple of things before I forget, hit the like button, smash the subscribe button, help us out here on the rumblings network and um, hit those buttons. But also, Going back to what we were just talking about, I think that the whole thing with DeAndre Hopkins, if you really want to look at this, I think what Bean is saying is this. I'm not willing to sacrifice future development or future players' development to bring one player in because I don't feel we're one player away from going to a Super Bowl or winning a Super Bowl. And I think right now Arizona's, you know, they want a king's ransom for, for DeAndre Hopkins. I think it's probably a little bit more than we're willing to give. Right. Then you look at OBJ, that problem is money. Are you going right. to go ahead and tie up this picks or money with these two guys when you know you need more than one piece to get where you want to? No, you're not. I mean, we all we all would love DeAndre Hopkins. I would be the first one to say as far as all the guys that anybody talked about in free agency with receivers, guys let go, guys available, he's the one guy that excites me. He's the one guy that I like. But I'm not willing to sacrifice 27 overall a second round pick overall, maybe a first or a third next year, whatever it is. I'm not willing to sacrifice those for him. So yeah, I think that's why being, you know. And and if they're still asking for that, I think that that's where the, you know, like the stalling has come Um, because I don't think any team is willing to give up a first round draft pick for a 31 year old um, wide receiver. I I, I just don't, Um, especially with the amount of money. yeah, pop around in the comments says we have a Super Bowl team now. I disagree with him. I don't think we have a Super Bowl team right now. I think we're close. I think we're contenders. I think we have a chance. But this present moment before the draft and before all the free agents are signed on this team, right now at this present moment, we don't. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on surprise. The future of work. Questions including what are we missing when we work remotely or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the future of work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. I think that... See, I I think it's a tricky answer to that because I honestly believe that you can have the best team in the NFL and still not win a Super Bowl. I think that there is a percentage to everybody's season, whether it's who you're playing, when you're playing, the weather, there's some luck involved, you know, some calls involved. There is so many things that, that, you know, dive into whether or not you win a game, let alone win out in the season that I, I, I kind of stress to say, I think our team is good enough to win a Super Bowl based on that. Now, do I would I go into every week feeling confident like we are going to completely destroy the team that we're going against? No. And, and that's I, I want that feeling again. I want that feeling, which I was I had that feeling at the beginning of this year, especially after we went in and you know destroyed Los Angeles, destroyed Tennessee Titans. You know, obviously the Miami game was um, was rough on everybody with the the heat and everything. But we 
we looked unstoppable after the first two weeks. And, you know, I, so I kind of went in a little, you know, a little cocky. Um, I want that feeling of being cocky, but our team actually plays better when, when we're not, you know, when we're not the tops, you know, of, um, of the NFL. Um, I like that feeling of being the, the underdog. So, We'll see how that ends up going. Um, I do want to point out that um, John Osborne put um, in the comments, OBJ wouldn't mess with the comp picks because he's been a free agent for over a year. And I completely forgot that because he got injured the the year before and became a free agent. So he's right. Um, so right now it's just money. I, you know, he went from $20 million, you know, as what people think he's asking for to now, you know, publicly saying, you know, um, 15 in another conversation, I don't think he's even going to get that. He did say he wanted a long-term contract. I don't think that that's necessarily an issue um, for most people. I think most teams would want that long-term contract to space out the money for him. Um, but with that being, you know, with that being said, I don't think he's going to get 15 million um, a year. And if he wants that, I think he needs to accept a one-year deal so that he could prove he's worth that for another year or two. No, I um I'm still going back to the last question. Um, you know, I I I appreciate the um uh the optimism. I appreciate those types of things, but right now I don't I don't I just uh, football team wise I don't see and we'll get into more of that as the year goes on and the offseason goes on and breaking down rosters, but um but um I don't think of how you could even possibly watch that Cincinnati game and feel good about where we are as far as a Super Bowl contender uh, moving forward until we make some changes on the roster. That's just that's just my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I think we all know what it felt like to after that Cincinnati game. I mean, um, no, hold on, wait a second, a- wait a second. He, I, I just want to say something, and and this is the thing: you can't live in segments of the season. Okay, when you do it and you've lived it, the season at that time was sixteen games. The season right now is seventeen games. Plus the playoffs, right? You can't live in segments of the season and say because we played well at the beginning of the season, we're a Super Bowl contender. No, 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 no. The last game you played, no. And I'm not saying you. It's like, but I'm just saying, like, Paparon keeps bringing up the point. um, The last game was not at all indicative of how good the team was or is. Games like that happen. You can't have it both ways, Ron. You can't say it's bad calls, and you can't say that the team. You can't have it both ways. It doesn't go that way. I think that. Most people say that the last game of the season, it kind of is indicative of how good your team will be the, you know, how good your team really was or will be the next year. Obviously, there's people coming and going on your team, which is changing the the landscape of your team all the, you know, all the time. But I feel like what, you know, the way we all walked out of that that game, whether you were there or you watched it on television, it was... I, and I think someone else put in the comments, it was humbling as a fan. It, it, it was humbling. It, it was, I think we all were like, where in the hell did this team come from? Because this isn't the team we watched for, you know, 16 weeks during the regular season. And then, um, you know, during the playoff. Um, but it kind of was towards the end of the season. It, there was flashes of the team that we saw against Cincinnati. And that's why I never went into a game feeling super confident that we were going to, you know, going to win. I, I never pick against the Bills, never. I, so whenever I do my my picks um, with the season coming up, I will be doing picks. 
I'm going to let you all know I will always pick the Bills <laughs> because I'm superstitious. Yeah, exactly. Enough. But right, um, I'm sorry, finish and then I'll get my part. No, no, no. I'm just saying. But it, with that being said, we went from being I went from being confident throughout the season, and little by little, there are certain things that the team wasn't doing or they were doing that wasn't good that by the end of the season that confidence you know started to go away so i'm thinking by the time we got into that you know that divisional playoff um we we looked like like crap we looked like we didn't want to be there we looked like we had no idea of the the team that we were and i think that we you know it led up to that i feel like for 5 or 6 weeks before that Little by little, we were seeing what unraveled on that field. You know, I when I look at this, I'm not trying to. I'm a huge, as you know, I'm a huge Bills fan, but I try to be realistic and I try not to blow smoke. I mean, I look at this as a job. As far as, I mean, I'm not on here to be a cheerleader. If I wanted to do that, I could, you know, I could do that. But I, I try to look at this thing. Um, you know, I look at it, I try to analyze it, and and I give my honest opinions and. One of the biggest things for me right now with this football team is I, I hate to say I use the term, but I don't see really many dogs on this team. And when I say dogs, I don't mean dogs. I'm talking about dawgs. Like Josh Allen is a dog, right? He's a dog. I will give him that. Granted, he did not have his best season last year, arm injury or not, and we've talked about that ad nauseum. Um, I talked about that the other day with a friend, as far as his red zone turnovers, and I think he might have been the most turned over person in the league. But that's besides the point. Josh is a dog. When I watched him in that Miami game, when I was in in uh, in uh, Highmark Stadium and watched him right in front of me, because I was at we were right there, Sarah, it was on our sideline in that corner when he ran that ball against Miami down there and got the first half, basically put the team on his back. That's a dog, right? Where are the rest of them? Because it takes some of those types of guys. Those are the types of guys it takes to win Super Bowls. Okay, everybody you're going to have a few superstars, but it's those middle range guys. It's those dog type players, those blue collar dudes. Those are the ones that put you over the top. And I might be a little biased with this guy, but a guy like Creed Humphrey that plays center for the Kansas city chiefs. He is a freaking dog. He's right now down in Oklahoma city. He works every day with my buddy. They're working hard, getting ready for the season already. That guy's a dog. I want to see more of those types of players on our sideline who that is. I don't know. I think I think Diggs is a dog. I think Diggs is. I mean, he's a passionate dude. He plays. I think he's that guy. Who else is going to come along with those dudes? That's what I want to see. Yeah, I think Daquan showed up this year. I think he was a dog this year. I would love to have signed him to a one-year extension. Um, you know, Milano, I think, had – I mean, obviously, right. he was all and pro. John, and John's like, oh, come on, Milano was a total dog. Yeah, I get it. He was. I He slipped the top of my mind. I'm not going to yeah. rattle off. No, no, no. But I honestly feel like even though he was an all pro and everything, I feel like Milano showed us his best flashes with Edmonds right. on the, the field. So I still kind of say that they went, you know, they went hand in hand. It'll be very, very um, interesting to see what, what we do at middle linebacker. Um, and by a lot the of way, people, middle linebackers like rank the last position in the draft as far as prospects. Like the the worst depth position in the draft this year is middle linebacker. You know what else is close? Safety. You know what else is close? Well, Offensive and defensive linebacker. Yeah, there are a couple, and and that's the thing. I feel like there that it is a depth position. Like safety, I feel like there's a couple of safeties um, that we can right. get 
in the mid rounds. Um, same thing with the the line. I feel like the the offensive line. If you can't get the, your guy in the first round, I wouldn't I wouldn't like stress until like the third or fourth because you're going to be reaching. Right. Um, but a lot of people have us taking Jack Campbell at 27 um, because there's not a lot of linebackers out there. I feel well, he like worked after the, he worked out for the Steelers this week and just got raked through the coals, I guess, from when I all the way down to the he got the little hands treatment. Yeah. So I feel like at this point in time, um, we're we're reaching like he might be one of the only, you know, quality guys left at, at linebacker come 20, 27. But he's not he, he might not be a first rounder. He, he might not even be a second rounder, but someone's going to reach on him. And right. uh, I'm I'm just exactly nervous correct. that you know we need a linebacker so bad that um you know that I feel like we're gonna we're gonna reach uh to to get somebody that I don't quite necessarily feel like fits in the mold. Um, yes, he's well, I tall. Think Campbell. Yeah, I think Campbell's your premier middle linebacker type guy, but in a three-four, your old style defense, your middle linebacker in a four-three. I don't necessarily know if he fits a four-two-five. Yeah. And a lot of people are actually, you know, you know, joking that uh, we keep on signing more, you know, safeties that (laughs) we might we might only have one linebacker on the on the field. But um, I agree. I agree with Papa Ron here. He says sounding more and more like we aren't going to stay at 27. Now we finally agree on something, Ron. I like (laughs) that. I like that assessment. I don't want to be at 27. I want to go and get more. I want to get more second day picks. So I'm I'm looking at it either way. I I'm looking at it as if we can trade up, yes, trade up into the top twenty to get a playmaker. <laughs> to get he said yay. He said yay. <laughs> we agreed. Oh yay! <laughs> I was like, what? But <laughs> if we can if we can move up inside the twenty, that is not going to cost us in you know something unreasonable. But I can see it costing us, you know, say, if we're only going to move up, say, seven spots, say we move up to the 20th spot, it will probably cost us next year's first and then maybe this year's fourth. Um, But if we can do that and get somebody um, that's preferably wide receiver um, is the way I've been, you know, kind of looking at it, then I say do it. If not, I wholeheartedly believe we're going to we're going to drop down in the um, in the second. John, so. John, John Osborne agrees and says he thinks we're going to play a lot of four one six. That's year. kind of been the joke. Um, <laughs> is that we'll have one, we'll have one linebacker on the field uh, most of the time, and we're going to play, you know, six DBs, whether it's you know safety or, um, you know, it'd be interesting to to see how we I, we have that out there. And I want to get something that Sterling talked about. If you want to bring his comment up, he talks about tight ends, saying the Bills don't even uh, the Bills don't even use the uh, the tight end. They have nor do they play much 21 personnel. That's to me the number one thing that I think this offense can do better in the upcoming season. They talk about targeting digs, all this stuff, targeting him more and everything, running game. To me, 21 personnel is a huge, huge advantage to the offense. I would love to see them utilize it more. I'd love, I agree with Sterling. I, I, I they right. don't do it enough. I wish they would. Well, when, and I made a comment and I know we, we laughed about it. I think it was last week or the week before last summer, they, they were doing two tight end sets a lot during camp. So to the point where it was being talked about, 
Um, right. I actually have a couple of, you know, you're not allowed to record and, and you know, post it on, um, on social media and stuff. But um, if it's longer than a minute or whatever. So I actually have some videos of us doing it. And I was like, oh, this is what we can do with OJ Howard. Then we ended up letting go OJ Howard. So I was like, right. well, that's not going to happen. For some reason, and I think Morris show, like showed out. He he beat out OJ Howard um, during not only camp but during preseason, and then they like abandoned that mindset. So I and I'm not quite sure why. Um, you know, if you had um, the opportunity, um, I hope that they decide to go back to that. And I would love us to have another um, another tight end. Um, but again, you're only going to use like you know, pick 27 or, you know, second round, if that person is going to, to change your, you know, offense. And if we're not going to utilize, we, we don't utilize the, the tight end. We have enough, um, you know, for him to be paid, what is it? 56 or $58 million. Right. Um, so I would love, I mean, I've been a pro Darnell Washington. Um, I like a shoemaker out of um, Michigan um, later on in the rounds, but, I, you know, I feel like there, you know, there's a possibility there, um, and a, you know, for a couple of the, um, the, that roster spot, but again, what's the point if you're not going to use them? So, right. but I think that, I think you're right. I think we will take a, we will take a tight end. Daryl talks about it. Daryl Fletcher talks about the beauty of this draft is a tight end might be the deepest position in the draft. If they decide to adjust, um, you know, Quentin Morris, they could move at any point, um, if they wanted to. But I do think it would make it better in this this offense. My theory had a little bit to do with our running backs, why we didn't play a lot of twenty one, and it's because a lot of twenty one personnel is a had to do with our running backs and our offensive line. Twenty one personnel is, a, is more of a zone blocking type f- formation. You can run power and counter out of it, but really you're bringing more people into the box when you do that. So you're adding a gap. It's more of a zone blocking formation. I don't believe we're the greatest zone blocking teams and cook being young. I know we ran the zone at Georgia. I don't think our backs were great zone backs. So it really didn't fit our personnel in other areas. I think more than the tight end spot. All right. Well, um, so just for, I guess some housekeeping, Jordan Phillips was resigned this year um, for one year, $3 million. Um, what did Calais I, get? What did Calais get at, at, at Atlanta? Do you know? I have not seen. Um, I think actually I did see it. I want to say it was one year, eight million. Oh, so he got that much more? Okay. No, that wasn't Calais. That was um, <sighs> that was um the linebacker. I think that I wanted. Uh, I don't oh, think I've that seen was. What... Yeah, that was um. He went back to Seattle. Bobby Seattle. Wagner. Bobby Wagner. Thank yeah, you. that was Bobby Wagner. See, you you're reading my brain. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I didn't see, I don't, That's I don't think I they released, yeah, I don't think they released, um, his, uh, his terms yet. Um, the only uh, Taylor rap as well. We resigned, we not resigned, right. we signed him for a one-year deal. Um, that is not part of the, um, the cap right now on, um, on our list that, so the terms haven't been released, but being said, it was, he verbally said in an interview that it was under 2 million. Um, and again, that's to protect the comp pick, uh, formula right now, right now we do have a third round, um, comp pick for, um, Tremaine leaving. Um, so right now we can't really sign anyone over $2 million or that, that third round pick goes away. Um, but 
pretty much uh what was the other thing oh so um right now we're at 8.5 ish with a remaining cap um that now includes um i know last week i had said it was about 11 um it now includes uh questenberry damian harris and the david edwards signing so all those people are on there the only one that's not is rap um so if it's the 1.77 ish that we think um that'll take us down to you know uh six and a quarter or no six and three quarters um which is pretty much what we need to go into the draft and to go into um, the season. So obviously if we want to do anything additional, there will be, you know, moves that need to be made, whether it's restructuring or extensions um, or letting people go. Um, There's not a lot of people in my, my eyes that they could let go without leaving a glaring hole. Um, That would be, you know, a big, um, deal with the with the money especially going into the summer a lot of those people that don't have the the guarantee you know guarantee contracts are low you know low anyways so right you know i don't see us uh making too many of those moves um you know obviously mitch morris um is you know one of those candidates but we don't we don't have an answer at center so if if you know a realistic answer at center so um i don't think that you know that would happen um, and then, you know, obviously we have the, the trade option with, with Oliver, if someone's willing to fork something over, but then, you know, and I still think we, we need a defensive tackle to begin with. I think that that's going to be one of our, um, our top needs, um, for the, for the draft, not necessarily just for this year, unless we do get rid of, um, Oliver for some reason or another, but I feel like for the future, um, after this year, we have nobody no, no defensive tackles at all on the, um, that, that, you know, is worth, I don't actually no not, none of them, none of them have a contract past 2024. So, um, so we're going to need that, you know, we're going to need safety as much as, you know, it's a less of a need. Um, it's still a need, uh, at this point, but I, you know, we've, we've made the offensive line better. It's better, but it's not, it doesn't, it doesn't make me feel confident yet. And I, um, I want someone to be able to battle, um, Brown, uh, but then you're, you're using pick 27, say on an offensive lineman, say we get a tackle there, you know, is it smart to do that? Because what if Brown beats him out in, in, um, in camp, then it's kind of like another wasted pick. Uh, yeah. But do you worry about that? I mean, do you is your is your number one goal to get better up front? Are you worried about who beats out who? I mean, if you can find a guy at twenty seven to beat out a guy that started in the league for two years, I think that's pretty good. Um, but if know, he doesn't you, beat him out, that's my point. If he doesn't beat him out, then he's you know our pick twenty seven sitting the sitting the bench. Right, so, I know, and that's the that's the choice you have to make. I mean, but then you know, does he come in the next year and you you get to move somebody else or whatever? But yeah, obviously, if you're going to pick a guy at 27, he's got to be polished. He's got to be an immediate starter, which are they really looking to replace those two tackles? So you're probably right. Do you not go – you don't go offensive line or you don't go, you know, in the first round anyway. You go somewhere else. But I, I just keep going back to the fact that unless there's just a, a, a prize sitting there, if there's just somebody we can't believe fell to that spot, you move that pick and you move back and you start amassing yeah. numbers and, and you stockpile second day and third day picks because really that's where your football team is going to be built. 
Yeah, I mean, I I feel especially with with that twenty seven pick. There's not a lot of people that I would I would take in the first round at twenty seven in all of the mocks that I've been doing um, of people who are left. Um, I have been very pro moving back, um, you know, and picking up the extra picks. But again, you know, how many of these people are going to actually make the team down the road? So um, I'd rather three or four picks that are going to, you know, make a difference than eight or nine people who are not. Here's a question for you, okay? And because you love this guy, this is one of your favorite guys in the draft. It's a guy you've targeted since day one. And we talk about Bijan Robinson all the time, but Bijan Robinson, right? If Bijan's there at 27, is Bijan going to make your team a Super Bowl team? Do you need him at 27? A thousand percent. I'm sorry. A thousand percent. I think Bijan should go Can in the top 10. Can he play middle linebacker? I don't, think it, I don't linebacker? think it matters if we're scoring 40 plus. <laughs> you think that Bijan is going to make that big of a difference? I think that Bijan could could make that big of a difference. I think it adds a wrinkle that we've never had. We can take the ball and and have a reliable back and not saying that that Cooks can't Cook can't be that person this year coming up. It, he he could be. Um but I just think that it is something that the team could utilize not needing Josh to be the the 800 yard running back that he has been. Um but I think the biggest thing is red zone efficiency. And I and I, I think that within, especially last year, we looked terrible every time we were in, inside the 20. And that's because we can, even inside the 10, our running backs could never find the freaking end zone. And we and we did away with having Josh be that person too. So I, I feel like Bijan is that much of a difference maker. So yes, if Bijan was there at 27, I wholeheartedly, and this is why I'm not a, G- a GM, I would take him. I agree with Trey Williams on the on the comments. He says, Bijan behind the 24th-ranked O-line is not getting more points than average Joe running back behind Eagles line. Yeah, I mean, again, though, I think that we've upgraded our line um, to an extent. and I think that all these people will, you know, Obviously, they're going to have to get used to playing with each other. But, you know, I think that with with the offseason, I, I, if he's there at 27, I take him. And whether or not he makes a difference year one, he definitely is going to make a, year dif- a difference in, you know, years two through five, which was what we would have with um, a, a running back in the, in the first round. No, I, I I like it. I mean, these are all. There's no right answer to these com or to these these questions. Or it scares the crap out of me how many people want either Simpson or Campbell. I just don't feel like the the I don't feel like the linebackers are are first round quality. I just it, it it's killing me. I just feel like it's a reach. I really do. I'll just keep I'll keep going back to what I say all the time, which is championship teams are built up the middle. They're built with their offensive and defensive lines. But at this point in time, and I don't, I don't disagree. I, I feel like the, we need to, to get the offensive line better, but I feel like at pick 27. And again, we won't know until the, the pick comes along, who's still there. I don't feel like with, with all of the, the, you know, mock drafts I've been doing, I don't feel like there is a, offensive lineman that has been there 
for most of those picks, except for um, uh, God, why can't I think of his name all of a sudden? But he's a left tackle, so um, I don't feel like we would be we would be picking him up anyways. So most, you know, Dewan Jones, he's a right ta- he's a right tackle. Some people are saying right guard. He's only played t- right tackle, um, and that was the question I asked him at the Senior Bowl. Um, was, you know, what his, what he feels like moving, you know, moving around on the line. And he said, he feels like he can do whatever someone tells him to do, but he's only, he's been strictly right tackle throughout, throughout college. So, you know, do you take that risk where you, you pick somebody up hoping you can move him around and then he doesn't pan out moving him around. Here's something, here's something that I think needs to be thought about. And I saw it earlier in the comments. It, we pick at 27, but then we don't pick again until 59. Okay? That's a pretty big gap. Mm-hmm. If I can move out of 27 and get one or two picks between 27 and 59, I feel better than picking just at 27 and 59. Because I think the second round, third round is where the quality of this draft lies. Um, I think that's where you can get some really good players at a much cheaper rate than you can in the first round. Um, well, everything about the draft is potential. I mean, everything uh-huh, of course. <laughs> um, but seriously, I, I I think that that's a big gap. I'd rather have more picks earlier than fifty nine, and if we can move yeah. out of twenty seven to do it, I would do it. Unless the player that we all love is there. Yeah, and who most that is, of, I have no idea. Most of most, you know, just to to say it, when you if we try if we trade back from twenty seven to, you know, early thirties or whatever, you might not get another. You know that that team might not have another second round pick. So you're you're probably not going to get another second um in order to move to move back. But what you will probably get is maybe a, you know their third um their third and fourth depending on how far back you move. Um, so it definitely could, uh, you know, c- could definitely um, add up. Um, I do want to say a couple of people um, responded back. Um, Papa Ron was right. I was talking about Anton Harrison. He is a left tackle kind of exclusively. Um, thank you for reading my, my brain uh, today. Um, so that's who I was talking about. He's the only person that I've seen as kind of a first, you know, first round grade that's still been on the board. Um, Dewan Jones, I, like, I honestly think that he, I mean, he was a beast at the senior bowl. I was like, holy crap. He was manhandling people, but he's his, his one, the one complaint I have about him is he's very slow, uh, you know, off the, the snap. So I am very nervous that Josh is going to be, you know, going through that, that same worry of running for his life again, if he has, you know, an edge guy who is too fast uh, for him to control. So, um, you know, Dewan Jones, I think can be that person. Um, but he's, you know, again, some people are talking about moving him inside. Um, I think he's too tall to move inside personally, but um, you probably have more of a, a comment on that one. Um, but then someone else also said, um, is Sarah, is Sarah thinking about the Syracuse tackle? Bergeron, I think, is um, is that second or third round guy. I think he's kind of trending now towards the second round. Um, I would love to get him in the second round. I think he's definitely, um, you know, worthy of a pick there. Um, and we did do a private workout with him. And sorry for the people who are watching. My my camera kind of took a nosedive. I don't know uh, if it's looking all blurry on your guys' then, but. It's kind of like an old 80s video. <laughs> 
It's kind of like the it's kind of like the aha take on me video right now. I'm kind of enjoying yeah. it. <laughs> I don't know what happened, but or I'm it's watching right. a video, or I'm watching a video, and I haven't paid for the subscription, and I there you and go. It's all blurry. There you go. I don't know what happened, but uh, I'm sure the blurred out v- version of me is probably more flattering. Um, so just quickly uh, before we get going, another thing they talked about at the um, at the league meetings was this the future Super Bowl locations. So 2024 and 2025 are set. Um, obviously 2024 is in Las Vegas. 2025 is at the C- uh, Caesars Superdome in New Orleans. Um, they're saying that 27 or 28 could be possibly Nashville if uh, they get their new stadium approved and, um, it, you know, ground is broken. Um, but then they start talking about regurgitating, um, you know, the different locations again you know whether it's atlanta tampa arizona los angeles kind of like you know gets me a little frustrated miami's on the list um as well so i think it'll be cool to have it in tennessee um but you know i you know atlanta would be fun because it's been a while but i'm you know kind of tired that they're you know talking about the same locations all over again you know los angeles arizona was just last year so I hope they they do something different. But are you the the question I have here is are you against them playing in a place that's cold if it's if it's a dome like Minnesota or Detroit? I don't have a problem playing in a place that's cold if it's got a dome. Um, like the Super Bowl, though. Do you think are you against? No, I don't. I'm not against. Like I'm not against that at all. Especially if the town's a good town and and you're if you're really trying to to spread the game across the country fairly. I mean that's what you do. Um, but I'm also not opposed to picking one stadium and having it there every season. Like with Vegas, the way Vegas is, if you want to have the championship in Vegas, I'm all for it. I mean, um, obviously that's not going to happen. People want to share the love, especially guys like Jerry Jones that own their own stadium. But, um, but no, I'm not opposed to it at all. I mean, I have no problem when Minnesota had it or anybody else. I, I, and I had no problem with New York having the Super Bowl, even with no roof. I thought that was pretty cool. So. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty easy when it comes to that type of stuff. I just don't want, you know, and and it goes the same thing with Tampa and Miami. I feel like with with it being in Tampa and Miami or even like Jacksonville if they were ever to get it. Um I feel like the weather can play could play into the game. And I and I understand, you know, the weather plays into the game. It's football. Um but I feel like, you know, if it rains, um it's not only affecting the the player, the game itself, the fans, I just feel like it, you know, kind of, you know, ruins that, that atmosphere and it can happen if there's no, if there's no dome, it can happen pretty much anywhere. Um, obviously with, you know, with the weather being effective, but it, it can happen in Nashville if they, if they don't have a dome in Nashville. So, um, with the new stadium that they're planning on building there, but I, um, the whole thing about having it in one location, so much money is brought to that area with the Super Bowl that, I don't know if that would necessarily be fair, but um, but I do look at it as you know maybe if that's the case, we we should be looking at how you know certain teams that will never have a Super Bowl can right. benefit somewhere or another. Well, they're never going to have it in one location. I mean, it'd be cool if they did. I'm and I'm I'm kind of okay with some of these other ideas. They're throwing out big college stadiums. Now, granted, I, it'd be hard to have it in Ann Arbor in february that would be a little rough but you know there are some college stadiums that are worthy of having a super bowl and as a matter of fact the first super bowl 
played, I believe, was in Tulane Stadium in New Orleans. Um, if not number one, it was maybe number two. But no, I think the way they do it right now is fine. It's it's spreading the love and all that. I you know one other little tidbit of news that I thought was interesting this week before we get out of here. But um, the Washington Commanders um, three bids of six billion dollars uh, to buy the team. Obviously, they will no longer be owned by Daniel Snyder. Um, one of those. I opened of those, up my wallet for that and took out the six billion. <laughs> yeah. One of those groups. One of those groups has Magic Johnson is a is a uh, yep. is a is a is Minority part of the owner. ownership group. Yep. So, um, yeah, I mean that was pretty cool. Um, I can't wait for that to happen. Um, it's it's sad to see the Redskins, uh, a once proud franchise, be the way they are right now. They'll get a new stadium. They'll get a new owner, and uh, it'll be it'll be exciting to see what happens. All right. So John uh, commented, train, uh, trade Arizona our first for their second round pick, and Hopkins. I'm I'm not I'm not okay with that. I think it's still too much. I think we can. I, I think in the end, um, there will be an opportunity. Whoever gets Hopkins, it's going to be for like a third. Um, at the most. And that's if someone uh, is willing to take some of the, the, the contract. I honestly do not think we are going, um, anyone is going to give a first and I grant, I granted it's a swap. I get it. You know, we give them their, um, our first and they get, you know, and we get their second, but um, I just don't think it needs to be that high, especially after the cooks, um, you know, transaction was a fifth and next year's sixth. You know, I, I wouldn't mind doing a conditional, um, you know, for 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 D Hop, um, you know, have it be like third. But then if a certain playing time or whatnot, then they get, you know, an additional pick next year. Depending on that, it gets moved up. But I don't think we need to to give up um, our, you know, our first um, to, you know, for for anybody at this point, unless we're moving up in the first round for a draft, uh, you know, for a draft pick. Um, I actually don't mind that scenario, especially if you believe again, if you're in the camp that believes that, that, that Hopkins is the piece that puts you over the top. I, as much as I want them, I don't think we're one piece away, but I could see that if, if that was the case. Also, I haven't studied it, but I, I wondered if this was the case and bills are electric brings it up. Hopkins contract is expensive, both in terms of cash in cap hit, we can't absorb that cap this okay. year or next. So I explained it on last week's um, on last week's uh, show that yes, we we can. Um, if you know one of two things happens, obviously, if Arizona wants to take on more of the the cap hit, um, his cap hit for us would be um, fifteen and a half one year and nineteen um, the next. Um, obviously, that would have to be restructured. Um, in order, I think it's 19 this year and 15 and a half next year. Um, it would have to be restructured once he comes over. So yes, we can do a couple of moves internally to get that money, um, to bring him over and then restructure add a void year or two. And, um, we can definitely change some of it to a bonus first year. We can literally get his cap hit all the way down to like $4.5 million. So it is a possibility. It can happen. Um, I am not worried um, about his contract because he says he's willing to negotiate it. He's willing to restructure. Um, if Arizona wants a better pick, they will come out of pocket and and take on more of that cap hit. 
Um, it's already a cap hit for them. Um, you know, there is dead cap for them. Um, so why not? If you want it, if you want a better pick and you're, you know, trying to stockpile picks for the future, um, and make your team better in the future, why not do it? That's what they did for, that's what, um, happened with cooks. They took on, um, you know, some of his, they, they kept some of his contract and got a fifth and a six, which it kills me that they only got a fifth and a six plus they took on some of the contracts. So, we can definitely do it. Um, like I said, we can restructuring uh, Hopkins. We can put him down to you know about four and a half million dollars um, for this year. It, it's definitely a possibility if we want it to happen. Would it take us restructuring or extending other people? Yes, but it can happen. But again, I I I, I also go back to that as and and then you get into do you into cap jail for years to come to where you know, you're a mediocre football team because you're still trying to get out of the hole. I mean, what, what are you willing to, what are you willing to, to risk? What future right. are you willing to France, you know, to, to, um, you know, but if Arizona, if Arizona is willing to take on some of that cap um, before he's traded, then it's even less money that we have to restructure. So right. I, you know, I honestly think, um, you know, adding void years, it's a risky, it's a risky deal. You're, you're basically saying, okay, for these, this one year, this two years, this three years, however you want to do it. I think Vons is two years. Um, you know, he, they're not playing yet. We have, you know, um, a, a dead cap hit because of that. Um, the signing bonus is split up over those years as well. So, you know, if, if someone is getting, you know, uh, is signs for four years and two of them are, um, are void years and it's a $20 million signing bonus. Well, those two years that are void years, we're still paying $5 million, even though the person's not on the team. So it can happen. Um, you know, but I, I honestly think there are people that can make us better. And I think D hop is one of them. Um, I think OBJ is one of them. I, I wouldn't mind either one of them. Um, and if I'm willing to pay, you know, D hop around that amount of money. I, you know, I'm willing to pay OBJ just a little bit less because of his injury history. And we haven't seen him come back from this injury. Um, that's my only concern at this point with, with OBJ is we haven't seen him play since he, um, you know, tore his ACL. So. I'm out, I'm out on him. I'll, I'm, I'm in on Hopkins, but I'm out on OBJ. Okay. I mean, I would take either. I, I really would. Um, now, again, I wouldn't take OBJ at 15. I'd take it. It would have to be a little bit less. But I um, I just think having a solid number two or a 1B, or whatever you want to call them, um, is what we need. We need that, you know, that. Him and, him and Diggs in the same locker room ends up, to me, ends up being like, it's like the you know, it's like it's like the Gotti it's like the the Gotti wars where where John got you know John got the Gambino wars where Gotti takes over and gets rid of Paul Castellano to get to get control of the of the Gambino family. I don't. I it just yeah. Makes me nervous. I, I I just don't like the the narrative because everyone who has played with um with OBJ has said how amazing he is and how, what a great teammate he is and what a locker yeah, room guy he is. And then you got media. Well, you know, again, he was hurt a lot in, um, in Cleveland. So I, and, and look who he had throwing to him. <laughs> so, I mean, no offense to Baker, but 
offense to Baker. But um, it, it's one of those things that I feel like I feel like there he's gotten this negative notion within the media. I, I don't like it um, because, like again, everyone I have I, I'm I'm an OBJ fan. I think that um, are you? If, I am. I think that, yes. I, I couldn't am. tell. Yeah, I couldn't tell. So yeah, really. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I I I hope we can pick somebody up in the draft, and then this all becomes you know um, all for naught. Uh, I still think. I don't know if the the person in the in the draft, unless we if we get somebody in the first round, if we get you know uh, um, you know uh, Quentin Johnson, or if we get Zay Flowers, or if we get um, you know we're not going to get JSN, but if we got one of those guys, I think I would feel confident enough in starting them. Um, but I don't know if the Bills will, and that's that's my concern is if we're just getting somebody in the draft, whether or not the Bills are going to actually utilize them and and have them be our true number two and compete with Gabe um, through all facets of, you know, um, of camp and everything else and and to truly go out there and, and try to shine. Um, if we traded or picked up a free agent like OBJ or we traded for D-Hop, I feel like that person automatically is kind of getting slipped into that, that number two role. Um, so that's why I kind of feel like we still need the the veteran guy and one person and one wide receiver in the draft. Um, so it all just depends on on who's who's hanging out at, at number twenty seven. But I I'm a, I'm on board with the fact that I don't think we we pick at twenty seven. Well, we'll find out soon. What are we two weeks away? Ah, uh, no, it's a month away. Month away. A it's month, still a month, a month away? from today. Ugh. Yep, yep, the twenty eighth. Um, I believe it is. So I fly in that Thursday morning. Um, so, you know, you'll get, you guys will get coverage directly from, from the draft. What I will say is this before we go in all our discussion. And by the way, this was going to be a short show. Remember we're in an it hour. Was. We're in an hour. And again, I appreciate everybody for tuning in, smash the like button, hit the subscribe button. We're on every week, Thursday, nine Eastern, eight central line to gain. Myself, Sarah, Buffalo Rumblings Network. For the Bills to be successful and win a Super Bowl, they will never, ever do it by going out and signing veteran players, uh, big-name guys, henchmen for one-year, two-year type deals. They have to do LA what other – we're not – let me finish my comment. <laughs> we are not L.A. because I was just getting ready to tell you. We're not L.A. We're not New York. We are a small market football team. And teams like us, just like Kansas City – you have to draft well, bring in situational veteran players, and develop your own. That's the way I feel about it. They've done a really good job of that. We've had a little bit of a drop-off lately. I think they're continuing to go with that route. And again, we'll see what happens because our head coach is now going to be our defensive coordinator. You put all that together with some other things, we'll see. But we're never going to hire – we're never going to bring in henchmen for hire for one year at a time and do anything. All right. I just, before we head out, Billy Williams, trade Gabe and a first for Jefferson in Minnesota. It would take probably four firsts to get Quentin. Billy, <laughs> Billy if they could pull, if they could pull that off, I'm paying for the parade. <laughs> right. I would be like, uh, Bean would be the all-time GM if that is something we could pull off. That is not happening. It would take Gabe, Oliver, and probably, you know, three or four firsts to get Jefferson. It's not happening. Justin Jefferson's right. not coming. <laughs> not happening. 
Well, hey, remember, we got a Facebook page. You can uh, go on Facebook. You can go on uh, Instagram, not Instagram. You go on Twitter. Drop some questions for us. We'll answer your questions next week here on the show. Um, We'll do more of that. We'll talk more about the upcoming season. I'm sure we'll get into more player uh, speculation. Hopefully, we'll have more news as far as the Bills and the rest of the league moving forward when we get to next Thursday. But, again, we're here every week, Thursday night, 9 Central or 9 Eastern, 8 Central, myself and Sarah on the Buffalo Rumbles Network. This is the newly branded Line to Gain show. Thank you for listening. Hit the subscribe button, the like buttons, all that stuff. Thank you for spending time. Thank you for the people in the comments. We appreciate you. Go Bills, and as always, one love.